Welcome to Education Suspended, a podcast focused on exploring, engaging, and dialoguing with those in education who are passionate about changing the status quo and evolving the archaic system we have inherited. Education Suspended is a production of Intricate Roots Educational Consulting Services. Our editor and production manager is Katie Kunin. Our producer is Jamie Higa, and our music is provided by Poets Row. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to episode 16 of Education Suspended. Jessica Pfeiffer here. Excited to have you for a great episode. Today, we meet with some of the creators of Music for Your Mental Health, Hexel Jackson, Jared Beasley, and Stevie McBride. We have a great conversation about the role that music can play and the connection that it brings to us, which is pretty cool. Um, At one point, they actually do a a live demo for us. And so make sure you stick around for the end because we actually have the demo and the whole song for you all to listen to. I also really enjoy how, um, you know, Jared works in the classrooms. And so his, his perspective, I think, speaks volumes about the power of agreement and how harmony um, strengthens our classroom and our learning. So it's a pretty good episode. We also want to take a moment and just thank everybody for all their reviews, for listening. Um, the reviews go a long way. One of my favorite ones this summer was education suspended podcast provides such an interesting insight and perspective to our education system. The guests they have across the U.S. and such have such different backgrounds. Such an interesting podcast, even for the non-educator listener. Uh, means a lot. Please, if you have a moment, um, rate us, review us. It helps get get the word out um, to everyone out there. So thanks for listening, y'all. Enjoy Education Suspended with music for your mental health. Welcome to Education Suspended, everyone. We have a full house. If you could see my Zoom screen right now, we've not had this many bodies on a podcast yet. So I'm actually, I think I'm more nervous because of that. But uh, we are joined with three of the members of Music for Your Mental Health. Would I say members? I made you just sound like a boys band. That's literally what just <laughs> happened. <laughs> well, we're going to go with it. We're going to go with it. You probably could pull it off. You know? Yeah, I'm sure you three could pull it off. Anyway, we are joined. Yes, uh, Music for Your Mental Health. We have Stevie, Jared, and Haskell. Um, and Stevie, you know, we have you back here with us, and it's so good to see you again. But you were our guest on episode three. Yes. And, and it was such a good episode. And we stopped recording at the end of that. And you started talking about this organization that you work for. And all of us were like, okay, wait a minute. Like, we have to go into this. And so thank you for joining us. And thank you for bringing some of your team with us. Um, yeah. So let's just, we're going to, I'm actually, I think just for a organizational sake, I'll probably just call on you, gentlemen. And if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself to our audience, um, letting folks know what you do, how you got there, and then if you feel comfortable sharing a little bit about your own educational experience. Sound all right? Yes. All right. Haskell, do you mind starting us off? (laughs) Sure. Um, Hello, everyone. Haskell Jackson. I'm super excited to be on this podcast with everyone this morning. Um, Born and raised in Los Angeles, California. I attended uh, Crenshaw High School, graduated, went to CSUN, and that's where I started my music, my musical journey. Um, I've been in music for over 27 years. Um, started out actually with a group called Straight Vocals. It was four of us, and we started a almost like an acapella group that went on to get signed to Motown. We ended up doing a project there, an album there. And I realized that, wow, this is really something I want to do for the rest of my life. I don't know how I was going to do it. I don't know how I was going to get survive or get paid doing it, but it stuck with me. And um, music has just been a tremendous part of my, my world and my life. <clears throat> um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm married, been married going on 24 years. I have a daughter at UCLA, she's 19. And they have watched my musical journey um, man, the ups and downs of this music industry has been pretty interesting, I would say. A lot of great moments, but a lot of down moments too. So it could definitely hit you in traumatic ways. So yeah, I'm here. Awesome. Excited to be here. Awesome. Thank you so much. Jared, you wanna go? Absolutely. 
again, thank you for having me. My name is Jared Baisley. Uh, my uh, musician friends know me as J. Vincent B. I come from San Francisco, California, um, by way of uh, UC Riverside. I, I attended and I graduated with a degree in history and business, which I did not use, but I did get closer to Los Angeles, which was the goal. Um, and I ended up securing a production deal with Interscope Records, uh, where I started to work and write for uh, some of the biggest artists um, of the time, which was very exciting. And it kind of uh, started me on my professional music journey. Uh, where I worked with two incredibly talented uh, individuals. Um, and we created a group known as Just Us, which later turned into Dials Mavis. Um, and so in that group, I was able to perform and, and tour. And um, we were fortunate enough to be able to perform at a lot of schools and kind of interact with children and, and, and um, mentor them in, in a way that was just completely brand new to me. And so I began working with children and I tried to finish our final album. And in trying to finish that album, I was able to meet Haskell. And um, here we are, umpteen years later, um, excited and um, ready to talk about our program. Love it. I love how everyone's paths cross so so randomly, but it's meant to be 100%. Um, all right, Stevie, you're up. Well, I guess I, I'll start with um, me, I guess, on how I got even brought into music because I was only writing poems from the seventh grade on up. And so I just wrote poem after poem. Um, and I think it happened to be one day because one of those incredible individuals that Jared happened to talk about was my brother um, that he had a chance to perform with. And my brother is a phenomenal writer, by the way. And um, I happened to just, you know, go to the studio session and check him out and kind of kind of listen. And then I started like pinning stuff to some of the instrumentals that they have. And it was like, oh, yeah, 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 let's use that. And so since then, I've kind of been an unsigned writer for <laughs> Dallas Mavis, and I still pin things with them uh, regularly whenever we get a chance to. Um, but it all started probably like around the college days. So at Long Beach State, they would come to my dorm room or I would go to their dorm room at UCR. And that's kind of how I got involved in music, all while pursuing my career in therapy and becoming licensed and that whole journey. Um, but music has definitely been an influential part of my life as well. Just it's, it's certain tones of the music that used to calm me. Um, and I know what music to play when I wanted to get really angry. I would just play Eminem or something like that. Or, <laughs> but if I wanted to, or if I wanted to like calm down, I would listen to like uh, maybe like some NDRE or something like that, something more soothing to my soul. Um, but music has always played a a healing factor in my life. Well, I like that theme of kind of this healing factor. And I love that you're trying to think outside of the box for just like mental health of like, well, how do we, how do we overlap with education? I'm wondering for all of you, is there, are there, is there a story that you could share if you feel comfortable that kind of shows the power of how music has helped, helped you in some ways in your life, right? Like kind of that healing piece. I don't know if anyone feels comfortable kind of going there or sharing anything. I'll jump in. Um, for me, you know, I, I, I tell them all the time, like I, I spoke to the group and I told them that when I was young, because of the household I, I lived in, it was a lot of trauma there. It was love there, obviously. It was a lot of love there, but it was some other elements as a young person, things that I saw and things that I heard that I shouldn't have seen or been privy to. And I used to sit in front of the record player for hours and listen to beautiful chord beautiful chorded songs and I would do it in rotation like I would play one part of a song over and over and over because it just made me feel a certain way 
it would make me cry, it would make me smile, it would make me just feel good. And I would get up, go on about my day, go outside and flip, break dance or do whatever. But whenever I felt isolated and lonely and not hurt, because coming from a family where I had a strong grandmother where what she said goes. If she says that's not a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, that is ham. And I'm like, this is peanut butter. You get smacked for disagreeing. Like, so it was strong. So whenever I would go through those moments, I found myself in the corner with a record player playing music for hours and hours at a time. And then that followed me throughout my um, going into my teens and my adult life to this day. I know how to get away and listen to music and let it let it heal me. And so from there, when I started working with kids directly, I started seeing that the power of music. And I would ask them like, what kind of music are you listening to if they had a bad day? And they would tell me and I say, you know, maybe those frequencies, maybe those, the things you're listening to are allowing you to either stay in that place or, um, or it's helping you in one way or another. And so that's, you know, I think we've all used music in one way, one component or another to help heal something. You're, you're absolutely right. We, we all have definitely, uh, we're kind of like the, uh, the lab rats. We tested everything out on ourselves first and that's how we know it works. So in, in my situation, um, I was raised an only child. I was in private school where I was actually the only black person in my school. Mm -hmm. um, and so every day after school, I would come home and I would write. I would write raps every day. And um, at first, you know, I didn't really think of it as uh, coping, but that's precisely what it was. It was my way of getting my ideas out um, and being able to express myself uh, in my safe space because I didn't feel comfortable expressing who I was in any other area. And so I would be in my room and I would just write and my mom would come in and she'd be like, oh, you're working on your homework? And I'd be like, no, I'm actually working on this life work. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm writing, you know, I'm writing about my day. I'm writing about how I'm feeling. And I always had a piano in my room. Um, and so wow. being able to, you know, write and then being able to express myself musically was always just a part of my life. And my piano was really my best friend. It was always there day in and day out. It was something that I could look forward to playing and being with. And so that relationship developed and you know it, it helped me to become who I am today because I was able to communicate, because I had an instrument that I was also able to express my feelings, those feelings that I didn't know how to write down yet or didn't have the right words for, I had the right chords for. And so that's that's how we, we get to where we are today. And I certainly was able to see that with other children and understand that having been there, like maybe you don't have the right word for it, but maybe this is the right beat for it or the right sound for it, how you're feeling. Could you guys share, um, well, it could be one of two things. When I was listening to Haskell, I was thinking, I wonder what artists you were listening to, or not just that, but what style of music. Obviously, Jared was listening to himself, which is even more, more beautiful. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that was a big, that's a big thing. But who were, just on a practical side, who are some of those folks that you, or, or the style that, that you guys were attracted to? Stevie, same question for you. I, I, I'm really curious and just want to listen up on that. So I guess one of the, the main artists I grew up listening to because my mom was such a, a fanatic of this, this individual, I grew up on mostly old school music, what we consider like that 70s. So his name is- Be, be careful, my Smokey. friend. <laughs> Steve, no offense. <laughs> but uh, one of the artists' name is um, Smokey Robinson. Yeah. Um, he was a very, very influential like for me musically, because my mom would constantly play his songs and every song that she couldn't find of his, she would make me find it for her. <laughs> and so I will always do searches for his music and I will listen to key words and how he put the words together to make them rhyme. And he, I, he created such a passion for me to write 
no matter if it was just poems, I couldn't sing. I, I still can't sing, but <laughs> I always just had a passion for writing uh, through him. And Smokey Robinson was probably my biggest influence. And then I learned of Stevie Wonder, you know, this guy named Stevie Wonder. And he, I seen the same techniques that he used as a writer as well. And I just was, I was so fascinated. And they both like heavily influenced me on like how to write. Um, for me, it was uh, Nas. Uh, my mom, she was listening to like Tracy Chapman. Um, my dad was on like, um, he was he was listening to the Motown. My dad was actually pretty cool too though. He was listening to like Vanilla Ice. He would listen to whatever, whatever was dope at the time my dad was listening to. Like he was always <laughs> with the times. Um, but he also loved his his oldies too, um, so I had a I had a wide range of of musical taste. Stevie Wonder for sure. Michael Jackson was my favorite artist ever, um, and I loved how he would combine a message and also make me dance at the same time. So that was huge for me. Yeah, man. Both all of those artists between you and uh, Stevie, man, same ones. <clears throat> I would add. When I would come home from school, my grandmother would always be playing Bobby Blue Bland. I don't know if you guys are familiar with. Anyone know Bobby Blue Bland? Come on, Steve. <laughs> Steve. Uh, okay. What about Johnny Taylor? Johnny Taylor? Yes, I do know Johnny Taylor. Okay. <laughs> so Johnny Taylor, Temptations, uh, Delphonics. Uh, yep. You guys know? Okay. So all the Motown greats, I used to listen to all of that stuff. Um, and then when it came to hip hop, it was from Ice Cube on down, NWA, um, 90s hip hop, period. I was completely, in, I was a break dancer, actually. I was a battling break dancer. So I used to make the break, the cardboard boxes on my front yard and pull out my boom box and tape it together with that silver tape and break dance on the front yard. And guess who used to walk up my street every day to watch me break dance? Ice T. Oh, Ice T lived around the corner from me. <laughs> wow. So he used to invite me to his club to come break dance. And my grandma what? was like, no, you're not going to the club to break dance. <laughs> oh I'm my telling gosh. you, the yeah, the stuff I experienced as a child was it was it was amazing. So yeah, old school hip hop was sure RB on down. Like that was, you know, fun times. Fun times. Oh. That's just amazing. Yeah. Well, and I love it because as, you, as you're sharing this, right, which I think is the power of music, I'm sure that there's memories going through your head, right? I'm like, oh, I remember yes. when my mom played this. <laughs> like, my mom was a big musical fan, right? Yeah. So I remember driving from Iowa to Wisconsin to go visit Angie Verna, and we'd wow. be listening to the Phantom of the Opera, right? Wow. Or all these nice. things. So it's funny as you're kind of bringing this up. Um, that's yeah. awesome. So let's, let's jump into music for your mental health. I'd love to kind of hear... I mean, this is an amazing passion project. We need folks to know about it. I think the collaboration that you do with education is phenomenal. But let's walk through the creation. How did you get here? How did you decide that this needs to happen and that you, this is something that's going to be really vital for students? What's the story behind this? We started in Hollywood. So I had, I had a studio in Hollywood right on La Brea, right before you hit sunset. Um, and Jay used to, he used to always pop up. He just was like, one day he said, you know what? I'm here. It's almost like he packed his bags, showed up at the door and was like, yo, let me in. <laughs> so, yep. so from there, I realized like, you know what? We work really well together. There was a chemistry. We loved all of the same music and we had great stories. So as we were building, you know, back and forth, talking, 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 we absolutely came to the middle where it came to mental health. And how do we do that with music? Started having this conversation. And after talking for a while about the musical component, he said, yo, we got to talk to my boy, Stevie. Like, he's a beast. He's like, man, this makes <laughs> sense. I was like, let's talk to Stevie. Got on with Stevie. We started collaborating and talking about the possibilities at first. And literally it took like five years, about five years, right guys? Just yeah. Yep. Throwing ideas in, should we do it? Should we not? How do we do it? Just and 
this year we decided this is the year to launch and, and, and open up about it. And I think from all of our different perspectives, it just, it said, you know what, we could use it as a component to give back, um, an opportunity to use as a resource for kids where a place that they can come to or a place that they can receive us to bring some type of therapy. And, um, and then let's, let's, let's try to enhance or help this whole idea of music therapy. And we didn't know we was gonna head into a pandemic. I had no idea, but it was the perfect timing because we did all that building. And then we opened up right in the middle of a world pandemic, pandemic of what's going on. So it's like, we all agree that this was, there was nothing but God preparing our hearts for it. And we just leaned into that. And I was like, you know what, it's, it's, it's a purpose. We need to do this. Yeah, the timing I seems nothing that. nothing short of a miracle, right? Of like, yeah. you know, talking about music therapy. Well, music is therapy, right? I'm always curious that we, yeah. <laughs> it's it's not a separate thing. It is what it is. Um, yeah. So yeah, the, the launching of your organization was spot on for the time. Uh, well, and Haskell, for you, I'm wondering, you know, as we were kind of prepping for this and you shared a little bit before we started recording, you also had your own experience in schools already, right, of kind of running a foundation. I'm wondering how did that drive the, the creation of this and kind of the conceptualization of what you want to do with music for mental health? How did that connect? I, I think talking about um, music therapy is one thing. Using it as a tool and in front of kids and seeing the shift and how kids gravitate to music is another thing. I'll tell you a quick experience. When I first started even being interested in um, being in front of kids with music, I, an opportunity was brought to me and I, I told her, I was like, no, I don't wanna work with kids. Rams like, what? You don't wanna work with kids? I was like, no, because it's a lot of work. And I see a lot of the teachers I know are stressed. I don't want that. <laughs> so literally it, it came back to me it's like, you need to consider this. You know, you have something that you can give back to this to these communities and these young people. You've been around the world. You have all this experience and success. You can do this, so I considered it. When I stepped foot in the classroom for the very first time, there were 16 kids in front of me. And I did a presentation just on using the MPC, MPC drum machine. Did a little beat for them. Did a little freestyle rap. And about five minutes after, I pushed stop and the kids erupted in the classroom. And this was years ago. And I, at that time, I looked and I was like, wow, this is a different world for me. How do I even approach this? Kids were crying. They were excited. It was something new. And they wanted to be in my presence in my class because they heard something that they had never heard before. And so from that point to six years after, I, I really was in that world and that environment. And it was powerful. I saw kids' grades go up. I saw their attendance go up. I saw their respect for their parents and their teachers change. I saw their kids that wanted to commit suicide. I saw that whole thing change and shift just because I took the time out to get in front of their faces and let them know, you know what, I care. I have something that you may be interested in and, uh, and I'm, just, I'm just here. And it's, it changed things. It changed me. It changed me. Yeah, first. That's what I wanna add. I just wanna you know, follow up on that a little bit because I think any, any educator listening to this would wonder how did it change you? It changed me tremendously, Steve. Like, I, you know, with music, when I first got into it, there's an arrogance that comes with with producing, to be called a producer and you walk in the room and you kind of get that, oh man, that's, there's, what's his name? He worked with this, that, there's this pride and this ego that comes with that. Mm -hmm. So obviously you're not thinking about giving back and helping kids. You think about getting what you can, getting your money and getting opportunities for you and your crew. And so when I switch mindsets, I'm like, I'm that kid. I was that, why are you turning your back on that kid? You're that kid. Um, that's what, that's what shifted for me. It's like, if, you know, uh, and when I did that, I had been the most fulfilled in my life to see a light bulb moment 
go off in a kid's head when they're saying at one minute, I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. I can't, I'm afraid. I'm intimidated to, wow, I can do this. I'm excited about doing this. And I'm coming back tomorrow even more excited. That, it just, it changed my world. That's magic. Yeah, I love it. Jared, I mean, you're you're in schools, right? And I think you're, uh, you've also been a choir teacher, right? You're, you're, you're in the muck. What are, what are you seeing with rhythm? Like, what, what are your stories? You know what? I've seen, you know, everything that, that, that Haskell is talking about, especially when I was teaching, teaching choir, you know, music is awesome because it's, it's a safe space. And so just being able to sing and, and being able to come together with music, I've noticed the connections that I was able to build with students and the, the comfort and familiarity that they would have because they were in this safe space. And so we would be able to talk about things that um, they didn't necessarily feel comfortable talking about outside of you know, our safe space. And so I remember uh, talking about changes. Um, one day we were in class and uh, the children were, were singing their notes and I'm going through the different sections and I'm like, that sounds great. And they were like, well, Mr. Baisley, um, you don't smile that much. So how will we know? And I was like, you're right, you're right. I need to smile some more, you know, because coming from the production world, the industry, there's, you know, you, your job is your job, you do it, you don't get an extra pat on the back for doing it. But in, in these settings, it's important to physically show um, that, you know, you're appreciative of what's happening, um, that you enjoy what's going on. And it really helped me to kind of just show my own emotion even more by helping them deal with their emotions, mm -hmm. which was you know, fantastic. I love it. And the connection. So, you know, I've shared this before previously, but I'll just say like in high school, right? Like I had two, two big things that I loved. I love um, sports. So I played a bunch of soccer. I warmed the bench um, for basketball. That was, you know, a lot of pressure there. <laughs> Professional. <laughs> yeah, it was, listen, being a JV all-star your senior year is a lot of pressure. Um, but then I loved choir. I was in choir and kind of thinking back to those two experiences, the connection that I had in choir was different than what I had on a sports team, right? Like I, it was so different. I think there's something about making music in a group that connects you unlike anything else. And I don't know if you would agree or kind of thoughts on that, but I think that's what's coming up when I hear you say connection and kind of thinking through that. Um, yeah, absolutely. The, you know, the, the building of the harmony, the real time seeing, um, you know, and hearing what you're doing mesh literally with the person next to you. Um, the, the work put in, it's, it's totally like, you know, it's unlike anything else. It's, it's really like, I mean, in a, in a sport, um, you've got the star player and you've got, you know, the supporting players. Um, but when you're a choir, really the choir is the star. Mm -hmm. And so every, there's, that, there's that importance of that everyone feels and that they're able to bring into the, the circle. And so I think just that, you know, boost in self-esteem, you know, I was in schools where outside of the choir, children were being told that they shouldn't even, you know, apply to college. They shouldn't even shoot for any aspirations. So outside of just building that confidence was a lot of just, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. Like not only can you learn this note, but you can go wherever you want to go. So it was an opportunity to just really instill in the, in the children some, some real values that they would need for the rest of their lives, that they just weren't getting anywhere else. I'm, I'm inspired to sing again, Jay. Stevie, do you want, you want to sing right now? Go for it. The floor. Stevie, you got it, man. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not right now. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, Grainer, are we going to say? Well, I was just going to ask all three, you know, and I'm sure there's a maybe a, a scientific neuroscience explanation for this, but I don't 
I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for just kind of gut feeling. Why is harmony, singing in harmony, and I know Haskell, you did it in a group, and, and I'm assuming Jared has, and, and Stevie would probably say, no, I haven't done that. But, um, why is that so powerful? I, I find it maybe the most healing thing I ever do in my life is to sing with someone in harmony. I just wonder if you could comment on it. I, I would say the power of agreement. It's an agreement that, you know, everyone decides this is your note and you got to stick to it. And when you stick to it and you do it together, you get this harmonious sound. And that's, I think that's with anything in life. And so harmony represents coming together on the same page. It's no I, it's all about we, we are doing this. And when it, when it happens and everyone's on this, it's a marriage. And when you do it right and you're doing it, your tone is good, your, your volume is good because you can't be louder than the other or the other or one of the notes won't be heard. You do that perfectly, I, it's just, it, it's amazing. It's amazing. So that, that powerful that's a beautiful balance between individual, the individual responsibility, which yeah. is a great training in and of itself, but it's all about perfectly melding with the team. Yeah. That's, I mean, I got that from you. I'm just kind it takes of, a lot of practice. Oh, my. Practice. Yeah, I'm sure Jay and his group being a band and singing at the same time. So maybe you can talk about that, Jay. Oh man, those were, those were the, that was probably some of the most fun I ever had. Learning how to be in a band and to manage the, the volume of live instrumentation and blend that with vocals. Um, and even myself playing and, and singing uh, and rapping. Um, but when you got it right, and I think the, the most, the best part about it was we, we're having fun because harmony and togetherness is actually fun. What's so um, that's the that's the point. That's the entire point. And so, um, just learning to enjoy each other and and even in the mistakes, even in when one instrument was too loud, to be able to laugh and just turn it down and be able to find that perfect blend and harmony to end up with an end result of you know you know a great sounding team. Um, and, you know, it was so awesome. We were able to win. Uh, we won best band in, in Riverside. Um, we actually won the, we were the best band. Like, and it was like, whoa, well, how do you guys get so tight? It was like, you have no idea. Like we literally spend three hours laughing and 20 minutes playing and somehow it comes together because, you know, we, we worked on our togetherness and, and our bond and we understand how important every single person is in this team. And so we work on making sure that everyone is heard from the bass to the keyboard, to the vocalist, to the drums, everything comes together. So how do you, how do you translate that magic to the classroom? <laughs> so it's really, it's really the same energy. It's the ability to uh, give everyone a, a task and and then allow them to the freedom to you know work on it to not be perfect at it, but with the understanding that we're all going to learn this together and we're going to get better. So there's no pressure. It's it's fun and it's it's just an opportunity to grow. The theme of harmony is coming up, and I it's actually one of the things that I really appreciate about music for your mental health and looking into your organization is that you you seem to be trying to work pretty hard to eliminate the silos that do exist in education, right? Well, this is a social emotional thing. Oh, and then this is an academic thing. And like this here alone, right? You have Stevie, who's a, a therapist on the same team, right? With Jay, that's an educator. And I think, can you speak to why that's important? Why is that something that um, you worked hard to create within your organization? I'll speak a little bit of that. I think um, because they got rid of the arts in a lot of the, the arts in schools, like it was devastating. And I don't think really it's been enough conversation about the power of arts in school. Why? Because, you know, back when I was in school, you had 
gardening, you had music, you had band, you had choir, you had electricity, you had um, automotive. You had so many different things that were educational. And when they start taking those things out, I think that's where the separation came, Jessica. It's like, well, yeah, we don't need arts. It's like, wow, you don't need the heartbeat of the school. You don't need the soul and the, the color of the school. So when they came in and they grabbed that and they took that out, that's how they saw it, Jessica. They saw it as separation, but really it's the same thing. And and what we're what we're doing and not trying to do is show them and yo, this should be a mandatory um, curriculum in school, music, arts, collaboration, choir, band, piano, guitar, bass, all of those elements are so much so needed. Whether you know how to play, even whether you're interested in playing, they make us learn biology and some of them may not be interested in learning that, but they make us learn it. And some it benefited, some it doesn't, but I think that for me, I, I would say that. I love it. Stevie, what are you gonna say? Um, I've used like plenty of music in sessions. And I think seeing the benefit with the, the, the age range I work with from zero to 18, it had so much benefit, especially for the kids who felt those moments of depression or moments of anxiety. Um, I would have them say, pick your favorite artist. All right, let's pick a song from your artist and kind of look and dissect lyrics. And I found that to be more powerful just in a one-on-one -on -one session. Why can't we do this in a classroom with multiple students? We all agree on one song in harmony and then we dissect the lyrics and we put in our own lyrics and kind of reframe it in a way to make it more positive to make it more inspiring and i i i like the idea when um haskell said we have we we well we have been uh lacking in the arts in the schools and i work at an elementary now and music is not heavily focused on. And even when I try to, I've actually tried to bring certain aspects of music in and I heard some griping from teachers and I was just like, no, no, this is not, this is not, it's not supposed to be irritating you guys. It's for our students. It's, it's the benefits of our students. And so me and the counselor have been working closely together to kind of still bring that aspect in, which is awesome. But the, the idea of music and education and therapy, it's its a powerful, it's a powerful combination. And um, I think that's really what Music for Your Mental Health is trying to do and trying to bring uh, to the schools. Yeah, well, I wonder, I think the, the you know, the, the griping or whatever you said that these teachers are doing, it, it seems to be, in my experience, uh, pretty fear-based, right? Of two things. Mm -hmm. A, the fear that if I put energy into arts, if I put energy into bringing music into my classroom, I'm not getting graded on that. I'm getting graded on my on my my test scores. So mm -hmm. if I take time away from increasing test scores, which the irony is, I think all of us would probably agree, if you bring music into your classroom, your test scores are going to go up, right? Exactly. So I think that's the first fear. Then I think the other fear is is you know, I'm guessing the teachers that have the most resistance are also ones that maybe don't consider themselves musical. Right. Right. That, and so Jared, I'm wondering if you can talk about that because you're, you're a teacher and you're musical, right? Like, so how do we talk to teachers that don't feel comfortable doing it because they don't feel like that's a skill of theirs or something? Yeah, it's, it's really, you know, the same way we deal with students. Honestly, you know, as I mean, we're all our younger selves, if that makes sense. So it, you're talking to the part of you that is still saying, I can't do this because I've never tried to do it or I, I wasn't the best at it. And uh, I was actually just having this conversation with a teacher yesterday um, who was really interested in just going into the studio. She had never been in a, in a studio in an environment and I was explaining to her, she was asking, you know, what, what needed to happen, what needed to be, uh, what she needed to bring. And I was like, that's not what this is. Like, you don't need to bring anything but yourself and a positive attitude. Music is, is in itself able to flex and bend to whatever your abilities are today. You don't need to be anything but who you are. And you don't need to be afraid of what you sound like, because what you sound like is still music. 
And so just explaining that to them, and, and that kind of gets over the hump of, I'm not sure. And then and you, education wise, you if you look out at your students, some of them are zoning out listening to music already in their heads or actually <laughs> in headphones. Like, like when you when you leave from work and you get into your car, are you driving in silence all the way home? Like music is it permeates every part of our lives. And so for anyone to kind of deny that or act like it's not a part of, you know, just what we do on the everyday, all music for your mental health is really saying is, listen, this is already happening. We've just figured out how to meld it so that the kid who was zoning out in the back, actually, we want to know what you're listening to in your head and let's all listen to it together. Yeah. Thank Go ahead, Beautiful state. No, I'm just going to thank him for a beautiful music will flex and bend to you. I, that's really a beautiful statement that 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 can empower teachers. I was also laughing because I know whenever I couldn't fix a computer problem, what did I do? I found a 16 year old kid um, who, who <laughs> fix it. And I'm guessing most teachers have a musical kid or two or three in their room who would be happy to be the leader. Exactly. And bring it on. Well, and I like you just phrased it right of like, music permeates all of us every culture has some form of rhythm and music built into it like that's just a no-brainer it's like that's common language so like everyone can bring something to the table and it's it's not this one thing that you're looking for right uh and i also think again the irony is yeah i love how you said most of these kids are in their head just listening to music and not the teacher anyway um but if you were to quiz them on lyrics Again, this is the learning piece for me. That's just like, if you were to quiz someone on like, if I, people can retain like lyrics to a hundred plus songs and not even think twice because it's to rhythm. And yet if you were to put a paper test in front of them, they're gonna be like, I, I don't know. Right, so there's just so many components that are necessary to learning. Yeah. Yeah. Music lets us, allows us repetition and we don't mind it. Yeah. In fact, we love it. That's good. I like that. Absolutely. Well. I like that. Brainer, do you, I mean, you used a lot of music in your room. What, what were some of the things that you did as a teacher um, with your middle school students? Well, I'll, I'll tell you guys my favorite assignment and was, I used it in relation to the blues. And we, nice. did, a short, we did a short story about a blues artist. Um, it, it, well, I mean, it was, a, it was a fiction story, but I uh, then found a uh, Gee, I don't know if it was W.C. Handy or some, some really famous old-time blues guy. I found a song of his that had this perfect poetic rhythm, as most of them do. But anyway, it also even talked about the history of the blues. And I had the kids all write a blues verse. And then I almost made them. I don't want to say, yeah, I kind of made them. I, I made them perform it. Um, sing it or chant it, either way. But they got up in a group and they all sang a verse of the blues. And um, I was shocked often by some of the stars that broke out that I never would have imagined. I thought they would resist, they would just go home sick, they would do, but no, they stood up, they stood up to it and they delivered the blues. And that, so that was the power of performance that not just the power of writing and practicing, but actually now being vulnerable enough to perform it, but music, allowed that to happen. And I, I, I'm sure Jared's experienced that somewhat as a, as a music teacher too. Yeah, and piggybacking off what you're saying, like think about what that does for the teachers, like who are, who get to bring in some of their, the music that they listen to that inspires them and encourages them. Um, you're only that much better of a teacher, you know, when you're in a good mood. Like that's just, you know, that's not even science. That's just, you know, when you feel better, you perform better. So, and you know, the children, the students benefit even more. Yeah, and it's a real growth process when, when you see kids having the guts to actually write their own and then perform it. It was, it was pretty magical stuff, but that's what you guys are doing. That's what's so, so wonderful. I love it. Well, 
you know, speaking of performance and Jared, I don't want to put you on the spot in particular, but I mean, is, are there some things that you can share with us as examples that you utilize with students in school? Oh, certainly, certainly. I would, I would love to. So we use a program called uh, Soundtrap. And in that program, we are pretty much able to uh, record. We're able to show them kind of real time how we create music and they're able to record as well. And I love the program so much because it's a free program that with, you know, with parental permission, they can actually download and, and use on their smartphones or whatever type of device that they have. It's, it's, it's compatible across um, all, all of the platforms, Apple, Android, and all you really need is a set of headphones and you are instantly able to create your own music. And, you know, as we've been saying, the theme is, is harmony and music as medicine. So you're able to literally create your own medicine at any time with um, limited resources. So let's see. Can you name that program one more time? It's called Sound Trap. Sound Trap. Uh, one of our first times performing at a school, uh, I was performing with the group Dials Mavis, and our CFO, Sean McBride, uh, was interacting with the children, and he noticed something uh, very interesting. Uh, a lot of the popular kids, this is an elementary school, a lot of the popular kids were kind of up in the front trying to get to us. And a lot of the more shy, reserved kids were in the back. And so he made a, just a on the spot, instant discovery, which is why I always label him like the greatest entertainer of all time, because, you know, entertainment is real time, uh, just like teaching. And he's also a teacher as well. And so he said, you know what? I only want the kids who are wearing glasses to come up on stage and we wanna hang out with you. And if you could have seen the excitement and the joy on the faces of all of the kids who were in the back, there we go. All of the kids who were in the back who were who in any other situation might've gone unnoticed someone to literally say, you, I see you, you're special, come up here and let's hang out. So I, I saw that and I was like, that's genius. We need a song celebrating the people who wear glasses, essentially the people who are marginalized and not seen as the popular kids, which, you know, who can, who can relate to that on, on some level? Yeah. So I will play this song that we created in honor of that. And I will say at the time I was listening to um, a lot of Queen <laughs> and I was listening to this song Lazing on a Sunday afternoon. And I was like, I want to make this a fun song, kind of in the, in the, in the vein of, of, of Queen uh, and something we can all just enjoy. So here is the song, Glasses. Hey, don't be shy. Put these on. Trust me. It'll be fine. Who wear glasses? Oh, I love those girls who wear shades. Oh, I love it when you wear glasses. You're the only girl for me. Listen, <laughs> uh, I love 
love your glasses, it's really the way you wear them. Them girls next to you, it's really just no comparing. The way you dress them up or you wear them out on your errands. 2020 is great, but your 2040 is glaring. Glasses in your classes, lenses at your office job. I know they really ain't the reason why you extra small. When you put them on, I stare extra hard. And when you walk past, we all applaud. Like, oh my God, oh my God, from a distance. Glasses too fresh, what are those? Prescriptions? And I don't even see how you ain't noticed. Yeah, you're bad now, but with them on, you the coldest. Gorgeous. Your whole style is impressive. Glasses match your shoes and your shades match your dresses. So let's stop with the games. Your face is a work of art and it's perfectly framed. Oh, I love those girls who wear glasses. So that's glasses. And, um, you know, we perform that song. It's a very simple, very simple uh, chord structure. And we started doing that song uh, at every school we went to and every performance we had. And we would just notice the response. It was different than any other song that we had. And people really seemed to enjoy it. I had uh, one artist came up to me at a show and he said, you know what? Um, I play this song every day for my daughter. Um, you guys uh, inspired her. She had just gotten a pair of glasses and I was trying to convince her to go to school and wear them. And she was, you know, so shy and so intimidated and I played this song for her and now she loves to go to school in her glasses oh. um and it's stuff like that that just you know this is the whole reason why we make music um to you know encourage each other and to uplift each other um in this you know global community that we're in yeah. and um yeah glasses is just one example of of how we do that there was a video to the Braille Institute, right? You guys worked on. Oh, yes. Thanks to Stevie. I don't know if you want to talk about that, Steve. Yeah. Um, so I was working at the Braille Institute at the time, and this is when Glasses had just came out. And um, we decided to put something together for our, um, at, what was our regional Braille challenge, where we, there's a multitude of different competitions that our, the blind students and students who are visually impaired got a chance to participate in. And so um, I was coordinating it that year. And so I knew I had some music power behind me. <laughs> and with that, um, I talked to my brother first and then I went around and talked to the rest of the team. I was like, what do you guys think about, you know, performing um, at the Regional Braille Challenge? And they were excited. Um, so I, I was able to put together um, them performing at the end and at the beginning. So they did a couple of songs um, and the kids were super excited. And so uh, it just so happens that the president of the company, the president of the agency uh, heard what we did at the regional challenge and they went on to perform at the, um, the national Braille challenge. Um, which was a huge competition from everybody all over the United States and some parts of Canada. And they actually got a chance to perform glasses on the big stage, which was a very exciting moment. But at the same time, it was expiring for our students who were visually impaired and blind that, that you know, it's, it's perfectly fine. It's okay. We love it. We love it when you wear your glasses. So, and I think um, that's just the power of music and those chords that Jay played um, when I first heard it, cause we was in the studio and I was like, this is magical. This song is going to go places. And sure enough, it, it did go places. Um, yeah, it was just a great collaboration in general. Again, bringing all those harmonies together. Um, you, you was, you was able to see that there was a togetherness. There was a connection built, a relationship, um, that was built there. And so Jessica, yeah. Jessica did you take your glasses off? Cause you were crying. I was going to say, 
the first time I watched your video with the Braille Institute, I was sitting here as a mom of a young child and I was like, <laughs> so I was totally fangirling out when you started playing that, Jay. I was like, <laughs> really jumped up the first time I heard it. Heard it. it. It's beautiful. And that rhythm is just, you have no choice but to move your body along with mm -hmm. that. Um, and yeah, gentlemen, I, this is phenomenal. I think what you are doing with your organization is beyond um, groundbreaking. I really do. And the overlap of mental health of education. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for doing this work. Oh my God. Um, Isn't it yeah. ironic that groundbreaking is ancient? When, yeah. when we go back to our ancient selves and then we call it groundbreaking. Yeah. yeah. And they're all along. You guys are just uncovering it. Yes. That's so great. Been around for, yeah, generations. So thank you for bringing this out. Um, if, if folks, if schools want to work with you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, you can reach us on our, our website at uh, music for your mental dot org yep that would be the best way to reach out to us or on our instagram any of our, our platforms um and we'll definitely provide those those links for you yeah we'll put them up on our website when we launch this episode so folks will have that as well and i will also 100 percent link up um to youtube that video of you performing that at the national braille, braille institute because just bring some tissues and be ready to move your body because it is fantastic. Um, but gentlemen, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for what you're doing um, and for making our system better. It's, it's It's been an honor having you with us today.
Yeah. Yeah. 